Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi, everyone. This is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. I'm excited to have Rohit Taneja, who's the founder of Decentral Tech, which is building API platforms for banking integrations. Rohit had earlier built MyPoolin, which he sold to Vibmo, uh, and he's also an alumni of IIT Delhi. Uh, Decentral Tech has been funded by Y Combinator and other VC firms. Welcome to the show, Rohit. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, uh, coincidentally, Rohit here as well. So <laughs> good to meet you as well, Rohit. Uh, and yeah, thanks for having me on board. Absolutely. You know, uh, uh, I wanted to understand before we talk about Decentral Tech, uh, you know, what was your journey about, you know, getting into startups? And uh, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what is my pool in and uh, what made you, uh, you know, start Decentral. Sure, definitely. Um, so I'll start for, yeah, first from my personal journey and then we, we can definitely cover uh, how Decentral and why Decentral came around. Um, uh, so I've been in the fintech space, you know, for pretty much uh, as long as I've known uh, the space of startups and entrepreneurship. Um, started out... Uh, uh, in 2014, that was my first venture uh, called My Poolin. Uh, before that, of course, you know, uh, pretty much like everybody else, uh, you know, was working in a corporate um, uh, in Sony in Japan for two years. Oh, before, nice. yeah, realizing that the okay, startup world was the one that was much more exciting and much more impactful, so to say. Nice. Um, and there were a couple of reasons, of course, you know, why I moved back uh, from Sony. Uh, you know, in Japan, of course, which is like an amazing country. Um, one was, of course, that like Japan in general is not really a great place for starting up. Uh, it's not really a very supportive, uh, you know, country, uh, unlike India or the Valley, you know. So right. uh, that was one. And of course, Sony being a very hierarchical and rigid company, you know, a classic Japanese conglomerate, you know, so it's very hard to make an impact there. Um, so yeah, came back to India in 2014 uh, with a simple vision of really solving one person pain point. And my thesis always has been around personal pain points. It's very hard for me to relate with those pain points, which I have not experienced personally. Nice. Um, and uh, so yeah, two years out of college, you know, the pain point that we had at that time was how do we really solve for uh, peer-to-peer payments amongst each other? Uh, and that too in a fun manner, right? Um, because college kids and typical millennials don't really like boring applications, right? <laughs> so um, we said, okay, you know, like payments have to be fun. Why are they so boring? And nobody likes to pay. And realized that, of course, uh, the only two options at that time were cash or Paytm. Uh, you know, and both were equally cumbersome because cash, you know, for obvious reasons, and then Paytm, you had to put the money in a wallet and then, you know, there were limited options of acceptance at that point of time. Um, and yeah, so thought that, you know, something like bank-to-bank transfer should exist, right? And that's how we eventually uh, bumped into UPI uh, over the next couple of years, started adopting UPI, became one of the first early adopters along with JustPay and a couple of other companies in the market. Um, and yeah, so launched this uh, very nice uh, young uh, application for, of course, all the millennials in the country. Um, scaled from around uh, zero to uh, 200,000 users uh, over a span of approximately two years, uh, and mostly organically, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was like uh, that road journey on the B2C front. And interestingly, that is when we, of course, started realizing uh, how painful the banking integrations are, you know, um, because we had to integrate with some bank as a sponsor provider for UPI or IMPS APIs um, as per the regulation. And uh, that was like, you know, a harrowing experience <laughs> for five to six months of uh, painful integration back and forth, you know, both on the tech side and the business side. 
uh, with one particular bank uh, at that time. Uh, initially, I thought this is maybe you know uh, more of a timing issue, and maybe things will get better over time, um, or maybe it's a startup issue, you know, and maybe big companies don't face it. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, fast forward to uh, four years later, happy to cover in detail if required. But in 2017, uh, you know, we got acquired by this company called Vibmo, uh, and then I became the director of payments with them for around two and a half years uh, for India, Southeast Asia, a couple of regions. Um, and then last year they got acquired by Bayou. Um, and that is when I realized that the problem that we had faced of spending close to half a year in banking API integrations was exactly the same that these guys were facing as well. You know? uh, and they were doing even more time because of you know, being there with their own legacy uh, roadmaps that they had. Um, yeah, so that was like the final trigger, you know, that <laughs> this is much beyond a person pain point. This is actually an industry pain point. Um, yeah. And that's what you know, led to me finally jumping the ship and you know, solving this once and for all. And so, so do you think the banking integrations are slow only in India or is it across across the world? I think India has done a great job when it comes to fintech yeah. uh, creations, but, uh, but why do you think, you know, banking integration are so slow? Uh, it takes, you know, I think four to six months to do all the integrations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, definitely, this is a global problem. This is not um, India-specific problem. And, um, and of course, that's one of the things that we have in mind as well. Uh, as we expand uh, in the future. But um, yeah, coming to India, I think uh, two things work very well. One is, of course, this timing is pretty good, right? Because uh, uh, you have, like you can only build such a company or you can only build an infrastructure once you have the basic core banking APIs in place, right? Uh, or the bank should be willing to expose the APIs, you know, in the first place, um, which is something that is there in India right now, you know, over the last, of course, UPI has been the trigger for that. Um, so yeah, I think that is one thing. And for sure, FinTech community in India has done a great job on that. Uh, people have started adopting uh, like UPI by droves and it has already overtaken you know, the debit card and the credit card volume uh, you know, in the country. Um, but yeah, I think uh, uh, generally speaking, the timing is one thing which really helps you. And uh, second is this availability of these APIs from different banks, right? That's something that's missing in, a, in other countries. Like for example, US, you know, like APIs are pretty much non-existent maybe like 5% uh -huh. of the total, yeah. And that's why, you know, companies have to resort to other methods like scraping and, you know, those stuff uh, to get data out of, you know, the banking world, yeah. Got it. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you mentioned your previous company, you sold it to PayU, you know, uh, uh, don't you think, uh, you know, bigger companies like PayU, Paytm can also solve the, the, the same problem, you know, or just trying sure. to understand how you're different from others? Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, good question. Um, they can obviously, you know, I mean, if they really uh, want to get into this domain, uh, they can definitely, you know, uh, get their hands dirty and try to solve that um, banking infrastructure you know, challenge. Um, so a couple of points there. I think one is, uh, by default, if you look at it, a company always tries to play uh, to its strengths, right? right. Um, and it makes sense, of course, right? I mean, uh, given that the world is so competitive out there, um, like, uh, probably around six, seven major payment gateways in the country, you know, okay. um, right? And there are many more that are trying to enter uh, India as we speak. Um, so, um, yeah, if you consider that, you know, aspect, um, you'll realize that by default, payment gateways are in a competitive race with each other. And for them, the real source of strength right now is their volumes and the numbers on the SME front or the you know, customer's front, so to say. Um, so for them to take a step away from that, you know, and get more on the core banking infrastructure side, 
and build out APIs for platforms like lending platforms, you know, uh, or neo banking platforms and those those kind of things. Uh, it's not impossible, but definitely a step away from you know their core direction and goal. Like I would expect, and this is actually what is happening with the PayU as well, by the way. Uh, I would expect uh, these companies to more evolve on the lines of SME neo banks, you know, or more like enterprise focused neo banks. Uh, because they have the strength there, right? They already have customers and good lock-in there, right? Yeah. Rather than go to the infrastructure side, right? Uh, and it's very difficult for a company to do both, right? <laughs> like, uh, it's very difficult to be a great neo bank and also be a great infrastructure provider at the same time. Yeah. Got it. And um, oh, do you also have banking partners with you right now in India across uh, Southeast mm-hmm. Asia? We do. Yes, absolutely. So we have uh, three major banks in India. Um, uh, at different stages. Um, um, yeah, these are like three signed off banks um, from the business side. And then there are uh, a couple of them in the pipeline uh, in India. Uh, yeah. And then there's uh, one uh, from Singapore. Yeah. Got it. And, and what are the sort of products which come under, under Decentral? Are you only trying to be, uh, you know, solve, solve the, uh, the problem for the lending market or uh, are you also looking at other, other particular verticals and w- wanted to understand what are your, what are your uh, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. how, do, how do you make money out of all the products? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, sure. So yeah, I think on the product front, uh, our objective is to really uh, look at that side uh, because if you look at banking by default, it's very wide, right? right. Um, and it's very hard for, uh, again, like one player to do like pretty much all the modules at the same time, uh, right? right? Um, so we're looking at specifically that sector, which is uh, slightly undertapped and underserved at this point. Uh, which is specifically around um, bank accounts, right? So everything from your account opening to management, right? Um, to money transfers, right? Um, statement analysis, you know, and those kind of stuff. Um, and this is different from um, like a screenscaping or maybe a statement analysis approach because that's like a slightly manual and prone to error uh, because you have to upload statements somewhere, you know, or uh, take a PDF download and then do it. Um, it's like you get, you're converting from the online world to offline world and then going back to the online world, right? <laughs> like slightly inefficient to do that. Uh, and that's why most of the solutions on that front are pretty expensive. Um, so, yeah, so we're looking at more like core banking, right? Really accounts is like a key component of it. So that's one major module that we have in the market right now. Uh, and uh, that is, of course, uh, the first module that we launched uh, in the market as well, which is in July uh, this year. Uh, the second module that we launched along with that uh, is, uh, again, on a tangent or corollary to that same thing. Because when you get into accounts, you have to think about onboarding, right? How do you onboard a customer or a business, depending on what kind of account it is? Uh, you have to do a KYC or KYB you know, uh, for the customer or the business. So that means you have to get into the domain of PAN, GSG, and those kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, we are solved for that. We've essentially aggregated uh, multiple providers uh, you know, under one single seamless roof um, for fully digital end-to-end onboarding cycle. Uh, yeah, so that's the KYC module. And then um, one thing which are, which we are evaluating very actively, uh, the next one, which is uh, something you touched upon, is, of course, the lending module. Um, so, yeah, so we're looking to be one of the technology service providers in the open credit network, uh, which just came in in India. Um, yeah, so that is going to be uh, a major, major, major product for us, yeah, going forward. And, and you know, um... Uh, it looks like it takes four to six months for for banking banking integration to to happen. But uh, when it comes to decentral, you know, what are the timelines companies 
uh, take to integrate uh, with, with decentro mm-hmm. is it is it a, is it a substantial time difference Sure, definitely. Yeah, that's one of key USPs with us. So, in fact, there are two key USPs uh, that uh, you know our customers love uh, when they start uh, working with us. Um, the first one is like a massive reduction, and uh, to give you an exact number, it's actually a 10x reduction. You know, in the literal number terms. So, uh, five months the average time, and then what we have done with the first few customers is two weeks. So it's exactly you know uh, 10 times uh, reduction in time and cost. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one of the key USPs uh, that we bring to the table. And second one is that this is an ongoing process because once you do the integration, uh, the job is not done. Uh, you have to make sure that it's, it remains stable right, over time. Um, like there are consistent iterations, policy changes, you know, RBI changes that come in. Uh, so instead of the company worrying about, okay, hey, you know, something has changed on the regulatory front or something has changed, you know, on the API. Now I need to spend again another half a month or one month to do some iterations, you know, or changes. So those are things that get avoided, right? So it's like a fully managed, ready-made plug-and-play infrastructure for them, right? And they don't really need to worry about okay, whether my infrastructure will go down or whether I need to put a team in place, you know, uh, because that's not my forte you know, as a company. Um, so yeah, so that's the second major USB that comes for them for the long term. Right. So, uh, Rohit, you've been uh, a part of the fintech uh, space mm-hmm. for such a long time, and uh, you know what can you understand about what sort of opportunities uh, do you foresee uh, in fintech, especially when it comes to uh, insurance, where a large part of our population in our country do not have uh, insurance, and also uh, during the COVID period, a lot of people yeah. did not have access to to micro loans and, and lending. What what, yeah. what do you think are some of the great opportunities you can? Uh, you can foresee and a lot of people can get in, get into if they want to build some sort of product mm-hmm. in this space. Sure, sure, definitely. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think, uh, uh, firstly, I think it's very important for uh, pretty much every entrepreneur to really identify, uh, if, if you're B2C, right? B2B, of course, will be a different domain. Um, but if you're B2C um, and you're serving the customer directly, um, it's very important to identify that does that really fall under the top 10% of the Indian customer or the bottom 90 percent um and you know uh whether it's a good thing or a bad thing but definitely that difference between those you know top 10 percent and bottom 90 percent spending capacity is massive right okay. and pe- pe- yeah so i think people often underestimate that difference uh when they're starting out um which has been like if you notice a lot of the reasons for many of the e-commerce bubble pops that have happened you know along the way um yeah because people simply uh, overestimated the growth rate or the spending capacity of the customer. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's one very important thing. So really understanding, oh, like, do you want to solve that, solve for them or, you know, the bottom 90%. And again, there's no like real advantage or disadvantage for going one after the other. It's just that your business model will be completely different and your expectation needs to be completely different. Um, that's one. And then I think once you decide that, uh, assuming let us say if you are, looking at solving something on the lending front, for example. Um, on lending, I think, as you rightly mentioned, right, microcredit by default has been pretty much uh, underserved till now in India, right? And uh, not just microcredit, more like if I were to distill it further, it's like systematic microcredit, right? like systematically distributing and systematically collecting money back. Um, uh, people have been trying to do it from different means. And of course, there are a couple of great companies that are trying to solve it uh, in the last while. Um, yeah, and I think this sector will definitely be pretty huge by then. It's really, really underserved right now. Um, although it will go through a cycle as well, uh, because there are a few companies which are uh, like trying to solve it in exactly the same way, you know, and trying to uh, 
just learn from each other or just copy each other, which is not really a good thing. Um, the better way is to really pick a niche in that microcredit itself. Like for example, pick maybe one vertical or target consumer, like traders, you know, or uh, uh, blue collar workers, for example, uh, and of course the SMEs, you know. So that's very important to really differentiate uh, and play to your strength again, um, based on your personal background or your, you know, uh, previous company background. Um, yeah, so that's something uh, I think uh, which is really, really valuable and definitely a, a massive set category which is uh, yet to explode right, in the country. Um, carrying on that line, uh, if you extend it one level further and you go to the top 10% segment of the country, then you land into the realm of credit cards, right? Uh, which is what cred you know, has uh, visioned out to do, right? So, and again, uh, even though cred is, of course, uh, decently big player now, uh, you know, in terms of numbers and capital and everything. But I think there's still scope there, right? And uh, there's so much potential, like just to play on the credit cards front or new types of credit models, front, right? Um, yeah, so I think that's that's one which is very important. Um, yeah. Then uh, coming to insurance specifically, um, I, would, I would rather say that, uh, again, picking the niche and giving very specific systematic insurance uh, is again an underserved category, right? So general insurance, life insurance has been there for a while. Uh, and of course it's definitely underpenetrated because people are not yet you know, really financially savvy. So uh, even financial, like financial education can be a great thing, right? So just right. if you build out an amazing company uh, and help people understand, you know, gamify the whole thing. Right? And I know a couple of people are trying to do that. Um, you know, like really educate the customer uh, around how to manage finances. So yeah, I think these are these are few business models that I see are massive, massive for the Indian country. Yeah. Today I have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash social pilot to get a 14-day free trial. Yeah, you very rightly pointed out, it's very important to see what sort of segment you're trying to solve because the population is so huge that a lot of, lot of founders reach out to investors and say that, you know, uh, the population is more than a billion dollars yeah. and trying to solve the problem. Right. But that is not how it happens. So yeah. very nicely put that, you know, you need to be very sure what sort of uh, market uh, problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah. And uh, uh, Rose, I wanted to understand what uh, what what are your thoughts on you know consumer behavior and spending change? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, after uh, is it going to change after COVID nineteen? Obviously, we all are working from home, and there's a lot of remote work is happening. But also, you know, a lot of people are saying that we exactly know where the customer is is right now. He's sitting <laughs> in his home, and we can yeah. target him. But, yeah. but what are your thoughts? Do you think the spending change and uh, and consumer behavior will totally change when it comes to uh, you know, people going to offices and, and mm-hmm. spending across uh, different uh, levels. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, change is definitely bound to happen given this is a massive, massive, uh, you know, event. And it's it has been completely unpredictable, right? So nobody was prepared for it, right? Um, and yeah, for some companies, it has been a tailwind. Uh, for some companies, it has been a headwind. Right? Uh, um and in fact, I'm surprised that, you know, the number of new business models that are coming around, you know, <laughs> because of COVID. Um, yeah, so that, that's, uh, yeah, that's something which is like a, uh, and completely, again, a very uh, under, you know, uh, appreciated impact, uh, like the new business models that might emerge out of it. Um, 
Coming to consumer spending, I think, um, um, yeah, so that difference will continue to stay, right? That, that's definitely not going away. Um, but the savings habit are going to change massively, right? So, and I'm sure, you know, uh, uh, you would have heard uh, this a couple of times as well. Um, people will definitely look at savings very differently, right? So one of the things that will happen, um, and it's in fact already happening, I can see that, you know, in my household as well, is uh, people are start appreciating, okay, how much reserves do we have? You know, uh, emergency reserves do we have for the long term? Uh, how much uh, liquid cash do we have that we can withdraw from the market, right? Uh, for my investments and et cetera. Um, and then yes, uh, you know, uh, what is the future plan that we have to make ourselves self-sustainable, right? So one is the savings itself, which is relying on your cash and investments. And the second is, how do you plan for your future in such a way that if this pandemic were to happen again, um, can you be self-sustainable? Or can you sustain yourself without even, you know, worrying about your career, right? Um, so yeah, I think this, this might see a boost of individual freelancers, you know, coming to the place. Um, yeah, I think that the whole gig economy, you know, might take a like a whole new level altogether, um, which impacts your customer spending directly, right? Because now, uh, essentially what's happening is, uh, let us say if people were earlier going out and they were, of course, doing impulsive shopping, right? So impulsive shopping or like surprise shopping, so to say, right? Or discovery shopping, right? That was that was something which was pretty common. Um, that's going to that's going to go down drastically. I think it has already gone down drastically, right? Uh, people will not really resort to impulse shopping now. Right? Definitely not in the physical world. I mean, uh, the percentage will be very very low. Yeah. So these are a couple of trends that I see, uh, you know, which already happened and yeah, will will continue. Interesting. And um, you know, a lot of SMBs have been impacted in India, and looks like there will be. Uh, lack, you know, uh, lacks of jobs which will get uh, impacted uh, in the next coming months. Obviously, we, uh, you know, we need to uh, 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 rescale ourselves and see where we can go from there. But what mm-hmm. steps should you know SMBs uh, be taken? Obviously, you know, startups also do not. Uh, I'm I'm not very really clear about the, the laws, but not very really sure startups come into the SMB category. But but what are your thoughts and what steps should SMBs take uh, to to recover from this impact? Sure. Um, yeah. So I think uh, first and foremost, um, people always forget, uh, you know, that uh, behind every SMB or behind every business is there is essentially one person, right? Or maybe like two people, right? So uh, in in most cases, at least like 80, 90% of them, right? Um, and so it's very, very important for all the founders and, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs to really reach out for support, right? And like just talk to each other as much as possible. Right? Um like the worst thing that will happen is that, okay, the business survives, but the founder doesn't survive, right? Uh, that's something nobody would like, right? Uh, so I think that's very, very important uh, to really make sure that you're really, uh, you know, um, stable from a, a feelings perspective, emotional perspective, right? And you really share with each other. Um, that's something very important. And then, um, um, yeah, I think from the business front and something that the SMEs can do, a couple of points are definitely pretty evident and are already in the public, but, uh, one point that can stand out uh, is to really be prudent around how to maximize your ROI and treat this as an opportunity, right? Um, it's very hard to do that because the first instance is okay, hey, you know, like everything is down, or you know, what will happen? It's like just to go in a state of panic, right? Uh, but that's not really the best way. Um, 
the best way is definitely to see, okay, can this be an opportunity for us to really revamp ourselves, right? For example, uh, it's quite likely that the SME might be overspending on talent, right? Or maybe overspending on any resources, maybe even office space, you know? They might not even need the office space, for example. Um, so yeah, I think that is some, that's like a great reevaluation to do and maybe even make yourself, you know, like increase your whole cross margin right, by reducing your cost. So these are things that uh, can easily happen and this is the best time to really reevaluate that. Um, yeah, so I would rather say the SME to focus on these things rather than, you know, uh, focusing on what's happening in the market, like the trends in the market, uh, which are outside of control. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, coming back to, to base intro, I was wondering, uh, you know, how, how companies like Clade and Visa, uh, do you think they have also made mm-hmm. those kind of intros, uh, uh, you know, uh, in India and other Southeast Asian countries? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Plaid actually, um, uh, if you notice, like, if you look at the journey of Plaid, right, um, they started out by really helping you connect um, your application to a particular bank's uh, data, right? So helping you fetch the data. And then uh, they realized that, okay, you know, the banks in the US are not really so savvy that they can open up APIs. In fact, most of them, as we discussed, don't really have APIs you know, to start with. Um, so the best way was to enable a uniform login screen and then uh, do a screen scraping approach to uh, fetch the bank statements and the balances for these consumers. You know? um, and which actually has landed them in a, in, in soup as well sometimes, you know, <laughs> over time because it's a slightly gray area, right? Uh, in terms of how do you handle security when it comes to this? Because the question is, who owns the data, right? Um, if the bank owns the data, then is the bank really authorizing them you know, to do it? So those are questions which they are facing and, and definitely they have done decently well in you know, uh, managing themselves along the way and uh, still growing despite those questions that have come in, which is a phenomenal job you know, that they've done. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, but as I said, so that scraping itself is something that may have worked very well in the US. I doubt that that same thing would work in India, right? Uh, and maybe a, a couple of other countries close to India. Um, I think one, of course, because the banks by default have APIs. So like that excuse of not having the API goes away, you know, um, or not excuse, maybe like a reason for them that goes away. Um, that doesn't exist now. So I think yeah, definitely it's it's much safer and a much tightly coupled approach that you have to take with the bank as compared to, you know, scraping the data. So that's something which uh, will be very different, you know, for Plaid and a couple of other players when they start entering or looking at, uh, you know, Southeast Asia. Um, and by default, like once a company gets acquired, because I've gone through that journey, uh, you know, once and twice, uh, the priorities change. Right, and it takes at least a couple of years for the co- for the company to really find track on what's the next thing because this like couple of years are easily gone in the whole acquisition process. Um, yeah, so that's that's the roadmap that we see for them right now. Yeah. Got it. And uh, and for for decentro, you know, what are what are your go to market strategies? Because you know, distribution becomes really important once you have a great product. So uh, just wondering, you know, what 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 strategies have you acquired to to gain uh, more number of customers on board? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, the good thing in India and in general uh, in a couple of these countries right now is that um, since the number of players are relatively few in the sense that infrastructure in itself is a new domain. Um, so apart from us, a couple of other players you know, that exist uh, and have just come out uh, in the last couple of years in the Indian market. So since the domain is new, people are still searching for solutions. Right? And many people have still not found the perfect solution among these. Uh, and many of them have still not even started searching because they just started the companies you know, or they just came out in the last 
a uh, few years with a new financial services uh, business sector also business vertical um so that's that's a great thing which means that inbound is going to be high so we have definitely leveraged inbound in fact all our customers are inbound right so we didn't reach out to them uh, they came to us uh, founders through uh, google uh, you know of course uh, our blogs right uh, social media right so that's one thing which uh, continues to grow and we will continue to leverage that um yeah so personal social media is going to be another key channel uh definitely leveraging on my own personal connections uh for the last uh, you know 6 years in the printing industry um yeah uh, and then really doing uh good digital marketing um to try to establish you know um yeah good word of mouth yeah so that's one and then i think once i think that gets streamlined uh we do have a pipeline set for the outbound channel uh, which will involve more enterprises yeah correct and uh, you know i quickly want to do the the top 3 uh, uh what's your, what's your favorite business book okay oh. <laughs> uh it's actually uh, i think a book which pe- people might not have heard uh so there's one steve jobs biography which is the famous one um right. but there's an there's a different one which is called becoming steve jobs um yeah so yeah that's a relatively lesser known but it's like at least on my in my opinion and definitely a couple of other people uh this is much much better than that uh because this shows like the, the real struggles you know of uh, steve jobs which are not visible in the first one yeah. uh, so it, this is not glorified steve jobs this actually tells you how he was a human being how he made those mess ups you know, along the way and how he recovered from them so yeah definitely great one correct we will put that in the show notes and uh, you know do you have any favorite online tools example gmail slack zoom oh uh, yeah i love notion uh, you know notion is great uh, for yeah pretty much all my notes um, you know reside there um, there's another one called motion which is basically a, a browser extension uh, which helps right. me you know yeah save time and all that yeah interesting and you know if you could go back in time when you started the uh, Uh, decentral what is the one thing you would have focused on not done anything differently uh i think probably too soon to ask that <laughs> for me you know because <laughs> we are just like 6 uh, months old like now right um, so yeah more like 8 yeah, months actually but uh, yeah i think definitely hard to get, get an answer on this so uh, i think i think we're doing fairly good i would say and definitely proud of what we have accomplished you know uh, in a short span uh, of 8 months and why combinator definitely has been an amazing partner for this journey um the major role that they have played uh and definitely a couple of our angels as well um yeah no i think i think we are doing fairly good and probably i'll be able to answer better you know after some time yeah correct and did you have to go to uh, to us to be part of why combinator batch uh, mm-hmm. or was it all online so no like, this was this fully thing? online yeah this was fully online yeah Very interesting and uh, 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 what, uh, uh you know you before the call we talked about you looking to to scale up operations and looking for for people to join you know what sort of talent are you looking for when it comes to uh, working in a, in a in a fintech company that somebody needs to be from the fintech background to work in in fintech startups uh sure uh, not necessarily uh, to answer that fintech question uh, definitely i mean uh, um so it depends on the role as well uh, for example if you're looking at uh, like currently we're looking at heavily ramping up uh, our engineering um so we're getting like 
more demand that we can fulfill, which is a good problem to have. So we're getting like a lot of customers, you know, <laughs> asking us for new and new features. And we just don't have the bandwidth, you know, to fulfill that right now. Uh, so we're taking that gradually as we go along. So definitely looking to ramp up engineering, uh, you know, really smart developers. Uh, so we have, you know, uh, definitely have a very, very high bar uh, on uh, hiring our engineering talent uh, because essentially it's all product, right? Product is the foundation um, for us. Uh, and given the business that we are in uh, and the quality needs to be maintained very high. So yeah, so definitely looking at great developers who have worked in API microservices, you know, those kind of uh, domain earlier. Um, and yeah, looking for that thrill, you know, for zero to one or that next one to 10 journey. Um, the second thing that we are uh, uh, looking at uh, is on the business front. Um, so a couple of people who essentially can be owners of products or divisions, so to say. So for example, an owner of lending module, owner of say the cards module, for example. Um, yeah, and drive both product and uh, the business strategy. So you can say that they're like EIRs, so to say, or entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. 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 all, so, all the payment owners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So those are, those are the kind of people we're looking at. Definitely, there, you know, fintech background uh, is super helpful. Um, yeah, and we definitely give priority to that. Yeah. Correct. And, and Rod, uh, what are the basic people can reach out to you and know more about your central? Oh uh, yeah, so I think uh, definitely my Twitter handle that's Sunny Boy Rohit. That's one. Uh, so I'm very active on Twitter <laughs> uh, over the last few years. Uh, that's the best way, or of course, you know, uh, like directly emailing me, uh, you know, on my email ID, which is Rohit at decentral uh, Yeah, these are the best channels. Got it. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time speaking to us. I really enjoyed yeah. speaking to you about fintech and, and and the company you're building. Thanks, Rohit. Same here. Same here. Yeah. Awesome. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you visit startupsmagazine.co.uk, a magazine in digital and print where they champion tech startups and entrepreneurs. You can find the latest and most innovative startups in each issue and the upcoming magazine focused on female founders and women in tech. They also have a podcast called The Serial Entrepreneur, interviewing female founders in the lead up to the issue. For the November-December issue, the magazine will focus on sports tech and reflecting on the year of 2020 and how startups will face 2021. Subscribe for free on their website, startupsmagazine.co.uk. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com. <laughs>